You're listening to Radio Influence. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Well, hello there and welcome back in to the latest edition of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs. And now we have to broaden it, not just college football, which has concluded, not just the NFL, but oh, it's time to talk about the madness marching to march and college basketball, which we'll begin to do on this show. I am your somewhat capable host, T.J. Reeves. He is senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. Mr. Kevin Rogers is back. Happy championship game weekend in the NFL. Good to be with you, sir. Yeah, we're down to now four teams and three games, not counting the Pro Bowl. So uh, we're almost <laughs> in football now for, uh, for a while. So, I mean, obviously... New England, we expected to be here. Jacksonville, we didn't. And yeah, Philadelphia, Minnesota should be a pretty good game. So we'll see how it all turns out. A lot of good storylines this week. Yeah, just exactly like what we thought. Jacksonville making the AFC Championship game and an NFC Championship game that has Nick Foles and Case Keenum going against each other for the chance to be in the Super Bowl. So let me set the table a little bit for the show here because we're going to recap some of the playoff mayhem last weekend, uh, get Kevin's thoughts on exactly what we saw, including the insane Vikings-Saints finish. Uh, then we're going to talk a little college basketball, as I mentioned. We've, we've got to, to plug and go here with the college hoop season, uh, not just on this show, but in particular next week. There are no NFL games, the Super Bowl, not until two weeks from now. So we're going to go heavy into college basketball all the way through March Madness, all the way to the Final Four in San Antonio as part of Three Dog Thursday. So we'll talk some college hoops, and then Kevin will be back in our final segment uh, when we make some predictions on those championship games and who's going to go with which underdog interesting that philadelphia a doggy at home again in the nfc title game and the jaguars a significant underdog with new england can they pull off another upset and be in the super bowl i almost can't say it with a straight voice that the jacksonville jaguars and first year coach doug marone and blake bortles and company could be in the in the super bowl so we'll talk more about those actual matchups a little bit later on on three dog thursday let's go back to last weekend and the mayhem that happened. Let's begin with that Minnesota Saints finish. You and I have watched a lot of pro football, a lot of crazy things in sports that have happened. Where does that finish with Keenum hitting Stefan Diggs, who breaks away not just to get out of bounds for a field goal, but breaks away for a game-ending touchdown? Size that up. Rank that on the wacky meter, please, Kevin. You know, I can't give you exactly, you know, where it would rank, but just to watch that finish, the back and forth, and you're expecting Minnesota to get into field goal range just to win it there, to see that catch by Stephon Diggs, for him to catch it, stop, keep going down the sidelines was just amazing, and to see what the Vikings were able to do where they had the game in hand and they didn't have the game in hand and they had the game in hand. They did have the game in hand. And, you know, you're saying to yourself, Oh wow, you know, the the Vikings blew this game. The Saints are going to the NFC championship. You maybe have a breeze, Brady Super Bowl. 
you know, and obviously in this day and age with social media and just, you know, you're thinking that way, it's amazing how you go from that to in one play, oh, Minnesota still has a chance to host a Super Bowl now. And it was a great throw, a great catch. And for the Vikings, you know, they, they were able to finish it off. And they, they were able to, uh, you know, even though they blew that 17 nothing lead and Case Keenum had that horrible interception he threw that kept uh, the Saints in the game was still a pretty remarkable play and it'll, it'll go down to NFL history as one of the top touchdowns because of, you know, when it came and, and, you know, obviously propelling Minnesota to the NFC championship, but still, I mean, obviously it, you had to sit and watch the end of that game just because of the way the game was going, you just had to see how it would end. Yeah. And there were lead changes there at the very end. Uh, it's just remarkable. How much do you blame Dennis Allen and the scheme which even on the play before, they had multiple defensive backs out of the middle of the field and on the sideline where, where nobody's playing deep safety even on the second-to-last last play of the game if something fluky were to happen, and they had no deep safety on really the last play of the game in the event that a receiver broke free. How much do you blame the Saints? You know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's not about that's not a cop out answer. I, I just don't know where, you know, some, something like that. I blame you more if it's a hail mary, maybe, and you know, you try to knock it down, or you try to catch it and bounce in the air, and someone catches it. But something like this, Stephon Diggs could have still caught that ball and and slipped and fell in bounds, you right. know, and. You know, Minnesota still had a 10th long field goal. It just was a play that worked out, you know. I mean, they had third and 10. They had to go – they were 61 yards on one play. It's a poor job by the Saints, but it's just one of those plays. Like, what do you – like, you're never going to execute that 10 times out of 10 ever. Like, that's a 1-100 play. Well, and, and I give credit, too, to Marcus Williams, the safety, a rookie, who uh, – easily could have ducked out on on just like the tackle ducked out and didn't make the tackle could have ducked out on the media not answered a question but stood there and answered questions and took responsibility he's the guy that was coming up at digs and then just lowered his head and whiffed didn't even make contact much less slow him down and allowed that play to be a touchdown i mean you know keep in mind the field goal's not a gimme there kevin i mean we've seen that before viking fans have seen that before gary anderson very famously missed a field goal in the 98 playoffs in the Metrodome in Minnesota when he had been such a money kicker, and it cost them in the NFC Championship game that they eventually lost uh, in overtime. So the, the field goal is not a gimme there to win the game. The fact that he got the touchdown, just uh, just a remarkable way to end a game, and it, and it makes... You know, it makes for playoff lore. They will be showing that play 10 years from now, 25 years from now in NFL playoff stuff, and the Vikings get to live it in case Keenum is the quarterback who uh, wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the year in in Minnesota but uh, leads them to the win and leads them now to the NFC Championship game. And more on that matchup with the Eagles, as I mentioned later on in the show. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the other hot item. And for the audience, wherever you're joining us all across the country, globally, wherever you can hear Three Dog Thursday, uh, through our, our various different platforms on Radio Influence and uh, subscribing through iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. Kevin and I are in Florida, and in North Florida, Kevin's in South Florida in the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area. I'm in West Central Florida in the Tampa-St. Pete Clearwater area. North Florida on fire for the Jacksonville Jaguars and what they have done, and they're about to play in the AFC title game. They up in Pittsburgh in one of the five highest-scoring games in playoff history, 45 42. Kevin Rogers, remarkable turnaround for the Jaguars. 
tremendous job by, by them to win. I know they gave up a lot of yards and points to Ben Roethlisberger, some of it in garbage time late in the game, but what about the Jaguars winning this game on the road and being in the AFC Championship game? I mean, the, the final score, 45-42, is obviously very surprising. It's not what anybody would have thought. But I believe I said it last week. I don't remember. But I just don't like backing teams' favorites with revenge because everyone wants to go to the, well, Pittsburgh is angry. They lost the first time, and they're going to beat Jacksonville. Obviously, Jacksonville had a great game plan. They were able to stymie Ben Roethlisberger the first time around. They had two defensive touchdowns. Yes, Fournette had a 90-yard run when the game was out of reach to kind of you know pad the yardage a little bit. But Jacksonville was playing with house money. That they lost that game to Pittsburgh. Okay, they won the AFC South. They got to the second round. It's fine. The Steelers had all the pressure in the world on them to win this game, to then face New England to get a rematch of not only the AFC Championship from last year, but also the controversial finish at Heinz Field a few weeks ago to try to get over that one. I don't know if they ever recovered from that game. Mm. I really don't. It, you know, losing that game to New England the way they did, not only with the with the Jesse James touchdown that was overturned, but also having the lead late and the Patriots beat them, I don't know if they recovered from that. And for them to allow 45 points to Jacksonville, who had scored 10 the previous week against Buffalo, is just is mind-boggling. And, yes, the Steelers still put up 42. We know they're talented offensively, and now Todd Haley's not coming back as the offensive coordinator. It seems like there's dissension amongst the ranks there in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin and going down the line, and who knows how long Big Ben's going to stay there. But Jacksonville deserves a ton of credit, you know, and it can't go back to, well, Pittsburgh lost the game. I mean, Jacksonville, think about this. You know, they had a great defensive effort against Buffalo, not so much against Pittsburgh, but a great offensive effort uh, against – Pittsburgh, and they did have a defensive touchdown in that game. But for Jacksonville, if they end up getting blown out by New England, it still was a hell of a season no doubt. To, yeah, to get to this point. And, and I do believe, TJ, I've always believed this in sports. And, and you can disagree with me till the end of time on this. Not everybody has the same goal. They don't. Yes, everyone wants to win the Super Bowl, but Cleveland's not winning the Super Bowl. If Cleveland got to the playoffs last year, that's a great goal to accomplish. For Jacksonville, if they got to the Super Bowl, great. But if they end up losing 59 nothing to the Patriots, they still got to the AFC Championship. They still are one of the final four teams left in the NFL after winning three, four games each of the last few seasons. So I think for Jacksonville, that if they get to this point, fine. Pittsburgh, total failure absolute failure when they were expected to get the AFC championship. They couldn't even win one playoff game and they had the rest. And I don't know, you know, with Antonio Brown, if his injury, if it lingered, if it meant anything, if it didn't mean anything, you know, down the stretch, they could use that excuse. But, you know, for Pittsburgh, it's a bad look for them. It really is. And for Jacksonville, you know, we'll see how far they can go now. Well, and there were a couple of moments that that I saw, and I, I think I want your thought on this. Doug Marone deserves a lot of credit as the former coach of the Bills, takes over this year, was the interim coach at the end of last year when they fired Gus Bradley. I'm not saying it's all because of him. Their defense is nasty. It, it is going to be fun to watch them against New England. It was Yeah, they gave up yards and points. It was fun to watch them smacking Roethlisberger and making plays. They stopped the Steelers on fourth down a couple times. They had the sack fumble touchdown. The defense is, is, is tremendous. But Marone on two occasions, one on the first drive of the game, 
I, I really believe, said to his team in the football world, I believe we are going to win this game. We are going to go on fourth and goal at the two-and-a-half-yard line and said to, to Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, get me a play that gets us in the end zone, and it was Leonard Fournette, Superman, up and over for a touchdown. That was play number one that said to everybody, we are here to win. We are not here just to hang in and see if we maybe can keep it close or maybe win. We're here to win. And then later in the game, when the game was 28-21, to 21, they stopped the Steelers on fourth down in the third quarter, they got a first down near midfield, and Marone said to Nathaniel Hackett, and you know this, Kevin, let's go deep. It's first and ten. We're, like you said, we're playing with house money. Let's step on the gas, and I'm going to throw the bomb to Keelan Cole in coverage and take a risk with Blake Bortles taking a seven-step drop. We are here to win the game. And Cole caught the ball, and Fournette scored on the next play, and it's 35-21. Those two plays said to me, it was not the whole game, but they said to me, Jacksonville believes they're going to win the game. And Marone is not coaching safe. He is coaching to win the game. And I'd love to have your thought real quick on that part of the psychological turnaround for Jacksonville. You know, in the you know, college is based on talent. And Alabama plays whoever. Alabama will just out-talent them. I'm not taking credit away from Nick Saban. In the NFL, what wins a lot of the time? some coaching that a lot of these teams are talented. And I understand the quarterback questions. And you mentioned before you have Keenum Foles and Bortles are three of the final four left. <laughs> you don't have Aaron Rodgers, You don't have Roethlisberger. You don't have breeze. You don't have these guys. So these teams are finding ways to win without a great quarterback. They can still have decent quarterback play. The point is, is that what's the problem with going for it on fourth and inches or fourth and one, you know, get that yard, you know, if you have the confidence, you instill the confidence in these players, they'll execute it. And the problem is these coaches get so scared that, oh, it's fourth and inches at midfield. we got to punt for field position. No, why don't you go for it and continue the drive? Why don't you do that? And I think that's what it is what separates these teams are these decisions that are made by the coaches because these players can execute them. There's no reason to think why not and why you're not doing it. It's not because you know the players can't do it. You just are afraid you're going to get criticized for it. So that's what I think the thing is in the NFL. These teams aren't that far off. They really aren't. It's about execution and giving these guys confidence. I think that's what it really comes down to in this league because these teams are very close in talent, especially at this point. Yeah, Cleveland's not very good. But a lot of these other teams aren't that far off. And who's going to make that decision? You saw Bill Belichick years ago against the Colts at fourth and one from his own 25 or whatever it was. He went for it. Like, that was ridiculous. But he went for it. Mm Mm-hmm. And he believed in his team, and it didn't work out in that moment. But a lot of times, uh, these risks, these gambles, and and what happens, uh, it, it shows through when a coach in that situation. And and granted, look, Jacksonville wasn't supposed to be there. No one had them uh, in the divisional round playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, contending, trying to win the game. So you are in a way uh basically exceeding expectation but he was he was looking to win on Sunday and it will be fascinating fascinating to see if those situations present themselves again in the Sunday championship game for the Jaguars what Marone doesn't or, or doesn't do with the Super Bowl bid on the line 
Uh, we'll find out, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So anything else from the NFL standout? I mean, the Eagles and Nick Foles, they knock out the Falcons. I know you've been all over Matt Ryan having trouble in road playoff games. There it was again with only one touchdown in the road playoff game in in, uh, in Philadelphia. And we've mentioned the Patriots uh, handling Marcus Mariota and the Titans. And, boy, talk about a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately NFL Mike Malarkey makes the playoffs, has a winning season, wins a playoff game. He's been getting votes of confidence. He's out after losing to New England. So any other thoughts for the moment on the on the weekend of divisional round playoffs before we move on to the college hoops? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't want to destroy Matt Ryan. I don't. But at the same time, I think a lot of people just underestimated the Eagles and put too much stock into Carson Wentz, thinking Carson Wentz is out, so the Eagles have no chance. And that's not the case. They're still excellent defensively. They still have weapons, even though Jay Ajayi fumbled early on and helped set up a Falcon score. And Matt Ryan had a chance at the end to hit Julio Jones in the end zone. He did it. And Atlanta is still a very good team, but again, it goes back to Matt Ryan lost in the road. Drew Brees lost in the road. These teams, when they get to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, they're not doing it winning three straight road games. They're doing it with home field advantage, and that's how important it is to have that home field, we saw that that's how the Saints got to their Super Bowl. That's how the Falcons got to their Super Bowl. That it's just so hard to win on the road. That's what makes these games earlier in the season so important. That you get that home field advantage, and then you'll probably be in the Super Bowl. Yep, and a great job, obviously, by Philadelphia's defense for a lot of that game. And now they and the Vikings defense get ready to slug it out. All right, more on the NFL in our final segment. And Kevin and I will make some underdog predictions in and around those two championship games. And uh, and now we will segue, as promised, to college basketball. And I'm a humongous college basketball guy, have been for a long time. You are as well, Kevin. There is nothing better in sports than the month of March and the little guy having an opportunity to play their way into the NCAA tournament with the automatic bids. And then when we get to NCAA tournament time, anything can happen, and we see... Uh, the likes of Wichita State, uh, Virginia Commonwealth, Butler, George Mason be able to make runs and get into the Final Four. It just separates the college hoop game. We've gotten into conference play. I mean, we know some things. Villanova's very good, as they have been for years. They're the number one ranked team. Duke is very good. I know uh, you saw as, as the Duke team came uh, rallying uh, to win on Monday night down in Miami. You were part of that broadcast with the Miami Hurricane radio broadcast. We know that Trey Young individually at Oklahoma is very good and is likely going to be the college basketball player of the year. Do you have an overall thought as the college basketball season has now moved into January and we start cranking things up on the start of the college hoop season? What are your thoughts? I mean, I just think it's like it was last year. It's going to be wide open. And, you know, we, we've seen, you know, this week Oklahoma losing. We saw Kansas with that comeback against West Virginia. We saw West Virginia also losing to Texas Tech last weekend when they were number two in the country. And, you know, the ACC is very competitive, as it always is. Uh, we saw how Colorado put up two stinkers, and they beat Arizona and Arizona State, and they went to UCLA and won. I mean, I really think this thing is going to be very wide open. And, I mean, even Villanova was a team that lost early on in the tournament last year. So, I mean, I think it's a good thing that, you know, we don't have that dominant team anymore. You mentioned Duke coming back and beating Miami on Monday night, but Duke's also lost to Boston College in, in conference play. So there's just a lot of things going on where it's been very fun. Kentucky's not as elite as they were. They blew that game to South Carolina. But, you know, we're, we're just going to be surprised once we get towards March Madness and the tournament because I think it is so wide open this year. 
Well, and and I, I like it that way. I mean, it, some years it's good with the dominant team. Remember what, uh, three years ago, 2015, Kentucky had the unbeaten run all the way through February and March, and it was a matter of who could beat them. And eventually Wisconsin did beat them in the Final Four game. This year there is no such dominant team that you think is going to stomp everybody so uh, and already for this week we've seen upsets in conference play south carolina beating kentucky on tuesday night for example an upset i mentioned uh, the job that trey young has done at oklahoma and how great they are kansas state handled them young had 12 turnovers in the game didn't shoot it particularly well kansas state uh, looking really good uh, with that win they also have a win kansas state over kansas so we've seen some conference play upsets like you're mentioning and so that kind of leads us into some of these conference games that are going to be going on uh, as Three Dog Thursday and the weekend unfolds. So I will let you begin with an underdog. Give me, give me an underdog that works here for, uh, for you to start us off in the college basketball season. All right. Uh, for Thursday night, Nebraska and Michigan, two old Big Ten rivals going at it. Uh, if, if you take Nebraska <laughs> for all the years they've been in the Big Ten, it's, they're still a Big 12, Big 8 team to me. They're not a Big Ten team, but that's not even the point. Anyway, Nebraska, they're coming off that uh, last-second victory against Illinois uh, last Friday, and this is a team that's 6-0 and against the spread. Their last six in the underdog role, Michigan is going to Lincoln for this game. And with the way people are just tuning in now to college basketball, with college football being done, the Big Ten has done something different this year that they started conference play early in December. So all these teams played a few games in December to break it up during non-conference. And they're going to play the Big Ten tournament at Madison Square Garden the week before the Big East tournament. So they're kind of front-loading their games and trying to get them out of the way. So there's just a lot of – they're playing on Mondays, they're playing on Fridays, they're playing all the time now in the Big Ten. Anyway, Michigan is playing their third game in six nights, all right? They beat Michigan State on the road. They beat Maryland in a last-second victory at home. Now they're going back on the road. They're 5-2 and two in the Big Ten. And Nebraska, as you know, they beat Minnesota, who's kind of teetered off a little bit uh, as a home dog. They hung with Kansas in a close loss at home. And I just think Nebraska, they have confidence. It's, it's not an easy place to go necessarily. And for Michigan, I think after these two victories are coming off of it they're college guys still like this is not the nba they're going to be tired you can have some tired legs in this game i think nebraska gets the cover against michigan okay so look for the huskers in uh in that one and again yeah michigan had the run at the end of last season remember they had the plane skid off the runway before going to the big 10 tournament and winning the games in the big 10 tournament then pulled a couple of upsets in the ncaa tournament as well and Beeline's got a couple of players uh, players back on that team, but you like Nebraska as a three-dog Thursday underdog in the matchup with Michigan. I will go to the American Athletic. You always ridicule me whenever I bring up the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. Uh, speaking of a lot of people not realizing something, Wichita State now in the American Conference and one of the favorites to win that conference and in the top ten, Greg Marshall's team every year, uh, seems like they're a contender over the last five or six years. Remember, they had the unbeaten season going, uh, what, 2014 before Kentucky beat them in the NCAA tournament. Got all the way to the NCAA tournament undefeated that year. Uh, they've got Fran Camp, an outside shooter. Uh, Shamit's one of the best players in college basketball as a guard uh, and, a, and, a, and a tremendous uh, player for them. But I like the matchup in Houston with an early start. This will be an 11 a.m. local time start, noon Eastern time start on Saturday. 
Houston, as the underdog, has now won uh, their last three games, including a couple of blowout wins. Um, they scored 104 points against Tulsa. Rob Gray is a great outside shooter. He had five threes in that game. They they beat East Carolina badly at East Carolina. Houston has had a good start to the season, and uh, and right now at 12 and three overall, I think could give Wichita State fits and may very well win this game. I am going to take the Houston Cougars at home in this matchup with new member Wichita State in the American Conference as an underdog for college basketball on Three Dog Thursday. So you've got a doggy, and I've got a doggy for college basketball purposes, and there are going to be five zillion games between now and March to try to figure out who's going to do what where in uh, in March Madness and when we get to San Antonio in the Final Four. And it's going to be a lot of fun, just real quick, one more general comment, to watch a lot of this shake out, including with our underdogs this week. Yeah, it will be, and uh, you're seeing a lot of underdogs hit now and uh, a lot of close games, a lot of exciting games. Since there's so many teams to follow, that's the one thing about college basketball, but definitely there'll be a lot of excitement once we head from January into February and then going into March. No doubt about that. All right, Kevin, stand by. He's going to be coming back. We're going to be talking NFL underdogs and the matchups for the AFC and the NFC championship games. That's his Three Dog Thursday continues. We roll on here. Stay with us. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We do continue on one more time and call back in our senior analyst, our senior handicapper and writer from VegasInsider.com. Love the insight and the information of one. Kevin Rogers, good to have you back. And the time has come for us to analyze and make a prediction and perhaps an underdog here on these conference championship games. Only two NFL games remaining before we know the two Super Bowl participants. We talked a lot about the Jacksonville Jaguars earlier in the show. And now the matchup with New England. The seventh consecutive year, the 12th time in the career of Tom Brady, he has been with Bill Belichick in the AFC Championship game with the New England Patriots. So obviously everybody knows the the storyline is the Panthers are the uh, the uh, Patriots rather are the favorites. They're the team that is supposed to steamroll in this game. They're at home. Kevin, an overall thought here about big bad New England back in the title game, hosting the title game against kind of the upstart Jaguars. You know, this is a tall task I think for Jacksonville in this game. That the Pittsburgh game knowing they beat Pittsburgh once and going back to Pittsburgh again, winning by three points. They've had two tight games in the playoffs already where New England kind of cruised past Tennessee after a bit of a slow start. And I mean, I don't really care about, you know, Jalen Ramsey's comments, you know, let him talk. I mean, Jacksonville, they never get to this point and they should be living it up. They should be having a lot of fun with it. They could talk all they want. I don't believe in the, Oh, you're going to get Tom Brady and Bill Belichick upset. They know what they have to do. But, uh, again, you're asking Blake Bortles now to beat New England on the road and go back and, you know, win a second consecutive road game after going to Pittsburgh. So I just think that the Patriots, with, with their track record in the AFC Championship, it's been excellent at home. And, you know, some of these games they've just cruised by. They cruised by the Steelers last year, by the Colts a few years ago, and that's a plate gate game. And the problems they've had have been on the road. And uh, I think that New England will take care of business somehow and they will cover i just 
I just don't have a lot of faith in Jacksonville for a third straight week to, to pull it all together and to beat New England. There are two things that stand out to me about Jacksonville's chances in this one. One of them is the defense that we talked about earlier and the pass rush, second most sacks in the NFL. Uh, in the regular season, they had a couple of sacks last week, including a sack fumble. It's not just Calais Campbell who had the 14-and-a-half sacks, the free agent acquisition from the Cardinals. But, I mean, they've got uh, Yannick Ngakwe uh, as a defensive end who's got 12 sacks himself. Former number 1 pick Dante Fowler is a great outside pass rusher for this team. They've got an excellent rush. And, and I saw, I know it was earlier in the year, I saw the Patriots early in the season in September on Thursday Night Football as part of my Buccaneer radio duties, and they have had some trouble in the past, including and this season with protecting Tom Brady. The Monday night win by the Dolphins, which is the Patriots' last loss in December, the Patriots' offensive line was almost a revolving door against the pass rush of Miami. I think Jacksonville's pass rush can really give them problems without having to blitz. That's a big key. And the other big key is can Fournette, Leonard Fournette, uh, run well again. Now he's a little gimpy again on the ankle. He hurt the ankle in the game uh, with the Steelers. Went out, went to the locker room, came back in the second half. Had a big, had a big first half. Did some things well in the second half. If he can run the ball, they've got a great chance. And New England does not have a tremendous defense uh, any longer. I like Jacksonville to hang around in this game, Kevin. I don't know that they can win this game, but it would not surprise me if they are leading late in the first half or in the second half. It would not surprise me if Brady and company have to rally to win this thing, and, and maybe they end up winning it by a couple of touchdowns. But I will take the nine points. I don't, I'm not going to go so far as to call a shot and say Jacksonville in the Super Bowl, in Super Bowl 52, but I like the nine points with the defense, with the run game, and I think they will give New England some problems here. So on Three Dog Thursday, uh, I'm hanging in. And, and one more, I'd, I'd love to have your feeling on this. Rob Gronkowski is going to be such a big factor in this game. The Gronk, the tight end, the favorite target, it seems like, of Brady on third down and around the goal line. Do we? Do you believe we will see some of Jalen Ramsey, the defensive back, on Gronkowski? And th- those two guys love to agitate the opponent and now maybe agitating each other. What do you think about that possible matchup? Just real quick, individuals there in the AFC title game. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if they want to do that, if Jacksonville wants to try that, okay. I mean, not a lot of defensive players have had success trying to cover Rob Gronkowski because of his size, and he's just such a mismatch for a lot of these uh, defensive backs. But, again, I, you know, I, I said this about Tennessee last week, that a lot of people were questioning, oh, it's so many points. I said that could be a 20-13 to 13 game going in the fourth quarter. New England can score, go up 27-13, cover 13, but it still was a close game. Same thing with this. You know, I really don't think New England's going to beat them 45 to nothing. But at the same time, this can still be a, a 20 to 17 game, a 20 to 13 right. game late. And then New England scores and they cover, but really it was a closer game than the final score indicated. So that's kind of where I go with it. That I'm not saying Jacksonville's going to get blown out. I just think that their run is going to end this week. All right, we'll see if they can hang in or not into the fourth quarter and, and what happens with Blake Bortles, who is 2-0 in playoff games uh, after, after possibly in the preseason being benched for Chad Henney. They end up going on a roll early on in the year, and Blake Bortles doing just enough uh, along the way and, and, and threw the ball well in, in the right situations against Pittsburgh. We'll see if that continues, or does New England get back in the Super Bowl again with Tom Brady and company with a chance to win a sixth one in, in Brady's 
Uh, he's 40 years old with a chance to be in another Super Bowl. Uh, you, you know, you, you wonder, can he continue on forever? You start beginning to wonder, will he continue on forever if they make it back to the Super Bowl again here in this scenario? So that is the first game on the slate on Championship Sunday. The second one is Minnesota and Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Again, the Titanic Case Keenum-Nick Foles showdown. Kevin, a thought or two on what does this game come down to? What do you think? Whoever makes the least amount of mistakes out of these two quarterbacks are both excellent defenses and Whoever can make uh, the least amount of mistakes, I mean, everyone's thinking it's going to be a low-scoring game. Watch this be a high-scoring shootout, you know, uh, when it's all said and done. But, I mean, I lean towards Minnesota in this one. And, you know, people can say after this game against New Orleans, they're going to be focused. I feel like you win a game like that, I think you're more focused because you're like, okay, we know we dodged a bullet. Let's go. Let's let's, Let's take care of one more. And then guess what? We're going to be the first team ever to host a Super Bowl. So I think that the focus will be there. I don't think they're going to lose this game because they're not focused. It would just be because Case Keenum, you know, if he makes mistakes or the Philadelphia defense, you know, can create some turnovers or even if Nick Foles can play well. I mean, I think the funny thing is that we've seen Nick Foles in the past, even if it was if it was with Chip Kelly, we've seen him perform well. You know, we've seen these quarterbacks do well. It's not crazy to think that they can have a good game, but this is the game people are going to focus on. Nick Foles throws for 350 yards. You say, wow, he's actually not that bad. But if he throws for 100 yards, it doesn't make him a bum either. Just, you know, you didn't expect anything out of him anyway. So I think this will be, uh, you know, obviously, a, 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 not I want to say an ugly game, but, you know, a game that won't be aesthetically pleasing, I'm sure. But I, I, it's just hard to think the Eagles, the second straight week at home, after they just beat the Falcons, where Minnesota – isn't as good offensively as Atlanta is, and they're still going in there laying points with Case Keenum. I think Minnesota may be the look. Well, and I, I will say this. Look, I mean, Foles is the quarterback, and he's getting the opportunity here in the championship game. They won the game a week ago, and he got them in the end zone. But let's not kid ourselves, too. Carson Wentz won 11 of the 13 regular season games that they won to get them in position to be the NFC number 1 seed. It's not, it's not as though Nick Foles put the work in all year long as the starting quarterback. And on the converse, Case Keenum has basically been the guy since week two in Minnesota. He has been the guy since week two. I saw them in week two against my Buccaneers, and he was brilliant in that game. And everybody was wondering, what's wrong with the Bucs? It was more what was right with Case Keenum throughout the year. I'm not, a, I'm not in the Viking PR department. Keenum ought to get a lot of consideration for most valuable player because he has played brilliantly stepping in as the backup quarterback, and he is as big a reason as any. They don't have superstar running backs. Diggs is an excellent receiver. So is Thielen. They've got a good defense, a good pass rush. But Keenum's a huge reason why they are there. And, and so uh, in the comparison of the two quarterbacks, if it comes down to quarterback play, and, and the ironic thing is they were on the same team with the Rams for a couple of years. Now they're quarterbacking totally different teams against each other in the championship game. Just give me another thought on Case Keenum while we have a second here, because he's been. my point is he's been the guy all year in Minnesota, winning big game after big game. Isn't that advantage, Vikings? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, there's no reason to think not that it's not the case simply because, yeah, he's been there the whole year and Nick Foles has kind of come here at the end. But, uh, again, one game, sample size, what's going to happen? You know, and, and it's hard because you can have someone come in for just a game and do what they need to do. I mean, I'll go back with, with the Bucks. you know. I mean, Sean King wasn't the quarterback 
the whole season. He came in against the Rams. They have that, they have that Bert Emanuel play against reverse. Right. Maybe the Buccaneers were in that Super Bowl. He didn't start the whole season. So, you know, it, it's hard because this isn't a best-of-seven series where you say, all right, now who's going to step up? They have a lot of games to play. It's just one game where Nick Foles can be terrible, but the Eagles can get a defensive touchdown or – Minnesota can fumble a punt and set up the Eagles on a short field and Foles finds a way to win without being great. So that's kind of, unfortunately, put too much stock into the quarterback play because sometimes they win in spite of the quarterback or the quarterback can be great and they lose. Well, and the fascinating thing about this matchup, the Eagles have been in the NFC Championship game several times under Andy Reid uh, previously in the 2000s. Uh, the Vikings, as, as we made mention, have been on the cusp of being in the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game previously with the late Denny Green and Randall Cunningham and Randy Moss. And that team in 98 didn't get there with a 15-1 regular season. Is this their time? Is Minnesota going to be the team that gets to host a Super Bowl game at, at U.S. Bank uh, Stadium, uh, we'll find out in, in Minneapolis. We'll find out on uh, Sunday. So, uh, again, I am the only one going with the underdog. I will go with the Jacksonville Jaguars on Championship Sunday. Kevin uh, saying stay away uh, there from the two underdogs, at least from where he sits. Uh, all right, so uh, they can find out much more on these championship games, everything with college basketball, et cetera, at VegasInsider.com. And, Kevin, I know you've got a lot of great stuff right now on the site to help uh, anybody and everybody who's looking for all the great information across the board in sports, but particularly for these championship games, you've got it for them at VegasInsider.com, right? Yeah, we absolutely do. And a lot of information on these two games coming up for this Sunday. And then once we find out the matchup Sunday night, then – We'll have plenty of content for the two weeks leading up to Super Bowl 52 up in Minnesota. We'll see if it's the Vikings or if it's the Eagles or Jacksonville or New England. We'll be playing in that game, but we have plenty of that. And also, like you mentioned, college basketball is churning along. The NBA is still going strong. And uh, now, obviously, with college football over with and NFL will soon be over, but still a lot of basketball, baseball will start soon. So uh, we pretty much keep going here. We don't, we don't stop with uh, – you know, even when, when a sport like football goes away for a few months. So check us out at VegasInsider.com, also on Twitter at TwitVI. And follow Kevin as well, at VI Rogers. And again, great information as part of what they do at VegasInsider.com, uh, especially on the college basketball, getting up to speed on all the different teams. And we're going to talk nonstop about the college hoops throughout the coming days and weeks as part of Three Dog Thursday all the way through March and the final four. You excited for these championship games? New England, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Minnesota. You ready for all of this to find out who's going to be in the Super Bowl? Sure, why not? Wait to see the puzzle pieces to fit and, and what we'll have the, the two weeks of this team, that team, all the talk. Bring it on, I guess, right? Let's, let's get it on. Let's see what happens. Kevin, great job. I always love the insight. Thank you, sir. We'll enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next week when we will know those Super Bowl 52 participants. Thank you. All right, you're welcome, TJ. There is Kevin Rogers. Again, you can follow this show as well at Three Dog Thursday and however you found the show, via Radio Influence, or maybe you want to subscribe to the show at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, rank the show, promote the show uh, socially and otherwise. You can follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Find us on Twitter at Three Dog Thursday. Kevin again goes with the Nebraska Cornhuskers in basketball against Michigan as an underdog. I'll take the Houston Cougars against Wichita State at home on Saturday. Again, you may be listening to this show later in the weekend and already know how our basketball underdogs did or didn't do. I'm the guy taking the Jaguars, not necessarily to win, but to hang in with the nine points against New England. 
We'll see who ends up in the Super Bowl and talk all about it next week. For Kevin Rogers, I'm T.J. Reeves. Thanks for being with us on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Bye. Chris Landry inviting you to join me for Landry Football Podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll give you the coaching and scouting angle to the college and NFL game. Film breakdowns, scouting reports, X's and O's, the latest inside scoop, coaching search information. We've got it all for you. I'll take my experiences as a coach and a scout and bring it to you, the fan, to give you access to the best football information on the college and pro level. Join us at LandryFootball.com. And remember the Landry Football Podcast right here, as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.